You're listening to Youth and Loud, the show that's the show that's quiet about the trivial things, but loud about the important things. We discuss all issues relevant to youth. If you'd like to find out more about the show or have a topic idea, check us out on Facebook and give us a shout by searching Youth and Loud. Uh, welcome to Youth and Loud. Today we're joined with Simeon Hanscamp, the founder of Spoken Spade, an urban farm that grows vegetables for the local community. Uh, Simeon was recently featured in an article by the ABC about his urban backyard farm and has been titled The Semi-Commercial Farmer. So Simeon, welcome to Youth and Loud. Thanks, Pete. It's super cool to have you on the show today. How are you going? Yeah, pretty good. Glad to be here at my own house doing, doing the interview at, at Spoken Spades. That's very good. Cool, cool, cool. Um, for any listeners who might not know a lot about you, can you, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah. Um, so I guess I'm 27, Pete, uh, and listeners, and I'm uh, sitting um, in a residential rental property that I've uh, sort of taken the whole lawn and erased it and put a massive, well, set so many vegetable beds um, and I'm growing uh, different crops to then sell to local com- community groups and uh, families and I also have a big esky, um, it's about a, a metre and a bit by about 60 centimetres um, so, and that's at the front of my property. And people come and uh, purchase food on Wednesdays or Saturdays. And I guess uh, as an urban farmer, there's a few things different um, than a conventional farm um, because I engage quite a lot more with uh, the people that I'm selling to. Um, so I don't do any wholesale accounts. And I also, so wholesale being something like um, a distributor or um, selling to say coals or, or, or whatnot for the bigger growers. I'm directly selling to produce to the people that are eating it at their dinner table. Um, yeah, so I guess the Urban Farm uh, started last year and um, I had an interest in uh, growing food and also wanted to look at some of the environmental problems that were going about and liked engaging with people. So um, a few years ago, I guess I decided to take the path of uh, checking out what would it look like to be um, a farmer or to get into something revolving around food. And um, after a couple of years playing around, I um, decided I'd start an urban farm where I was living and um, see where that took me. So now we're a year on. Um, so what uh, initially inspired you to uh, start something like uh, Spoken Spade? Where did that inspiration come from? Yeah, um, so I guess... If we go back a little bit, I uh, originally started a, a compost at a, um, at a, a uni group that I used to be part of, and we were just chucking a lot of our waste in the bin, um, and then one of our lecturers was talking about a problem with regard to methane, uh, a, a gas that then contributes to gl- uh, greenhouse gases, etc., and I sort of f- found that a bit interesting, and... and um, one of the solutions for that is just composting that material and so it uh, breaks down in a better way. And um, we didn't have a compost, so then I looked at a practical solution to try and solve the issue that was uh, uh, taking place. And that then started me down a bit of a, a road of, ah, oh, this biology that's happening in the compost, this is fascinating from sort of a, uh, 
really basic scientific level. I'm not no scientist. I didn't do chemistry, biology, or any any. I actually quit all those subjects. Um, the, the the compost started me off on a little bit of a ah, you know, uh, here's something that I can do that was at home, and I found it sort of interesting as well as it was solving this issue. And um, from there, it's a it's a long winding road. But I, I I started working on a farm for three months, so I volunteered my time for for two months over a summer to work on a farm and really enjoyed hanging out with people, socializing in the field whilst also doing hard work. And um, I sort of grew a love for it. But the inspiration that was a foundation for that uh, was probably some of the issues that I was looking around and sort of seeing and gradually learning as I was growing up. Uh, things like uh, overconsumption or um, where our goods from the shops were coming from and some of the issues that that takes place from overseas mm-hmm. and then also environmental problems, um, let's say uh, soil erosion or in terms of how our food comes, um, how far has it travelled um, and then questioning some of the bigger macro issues, I guess the ones that are, are standing at the very top of the pyramid and, and have a big impact all the way down, um, things like climate change um, or global global warming and um, human, human-induced, human or another word for it is anthropos... Oh, I've forgotten the word. Do you know anthropos... Word, word, okay. okay. Um, anyway, so I guess climate change uh, was one of the big inspirations to, hey, I, I want to do something to sort of um, change some of that story and how am I going to go about that? And um, for me, my unique sort of interests, uh, outside stuff, um, to sport and outdoor education, uh, or outdoor rec, hiking and different things were of interest. And so farming sort of fit a couple of the things that uh, were of, uh, important to me, like mm. being outside, physical work, but also challenge and some of the intellectual sort of uh, engagement with issues like um, erosion or transportation of food and then community engagement too. So I enjoy talking to people and um, yeah, sort of uh, hearing a different or creative story. Um, so farming to me, that was, that was interesting and then I wanted to put a cherry on top so I tried to do it in the suburbs. Um, so that's what sort of created an urban farm. As well as, I'm not that, I don't have much money so I, I couldn't buy a big piece of land but I also wanted to be close to the city because that's where some of the stuff, that's where stuff's happening. And um, yeah, I saw a book on YouTube and this guy was doing it in the States, so I was like, why not do it here? You know what I mean? Yeah. So it sounds like, yes, yeah, so there's a number of factors which have influenced you to be inspired to start Spoken Spade. For sure. Um, so on one hand, you care about the environment and about sustainability. Yeah. Um, but you're also into physical exercise, so you're able to do those things at the same time. Yeah, yeah. And then in addition to that, you're also interested in to connecting with people in your community. Yeah. And I guess doing something like an urban farm gives you an opportunity to express all of those things. Yeah. At the same yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. Being the founder of A Spoken Spade, you were recently interviewed and featured in an article by the ABC. Yeah. Um, what was this experience like for you, and were you glad to hear about other people similar to yourself who were urban farmers? Yeah, um, it was a funny thing to be approached by, um, I guess, an ABC journalist, um, and a little bit intimidating, I guess, but at the same time, you're sort of like, oh, you know someone's asked me to, to do something, that's a bit of a privilege. Um, 
and a unique sort of position. It's only a, it was only a small piece, but I still felt pretty chuffed. Um, it's pretty cool. It seems yeah, pretty cool. Anyway, so um, I guess the, the other part was like, oh, here is a chance for, um, I guess, your sphere of influence and, mm-hmm. um, and how or when do you get a voice to be able to tell a lot of people I guess you can go on Facebook and I, I post sometimes about some of the things I care about mm. um, but largely it's a in a way it's a small group uh, of, of people that that's getting out to that might read it um, or nec- whereas the, the interview for the ABC was going to a much larger group so I felt sort of a little bit responsible to also try and right. uh, give a you know give a get out on the podium and sort of talk mm. about the issues that I care about yeah um, yeah, but it was a bit fun too. And, um, yeah, cool to see. I don't know. Mum, my mum's proud, so that's nice. Beautiful, cool. Um, and I'm sure she, she she would be proud. I think you've got a lot of good reasons to feel proud for the um, for what you've started with Token Spade. Yeah, cool. Thanks, Pete. Um, so what's uh, what's come with some of the feedback that you've gotten from people who perhaps have read that article by the ABC or even people who have been aware of the work you do with Spoken Spade? Mm. Um, what's some of the feedback you've gotten from uh, family or friends about it? Yeah, um, I guess it's a bit of fun when you put that little article that gets on online onto your personal sort of social media and things, but probably more uh, meaningful to me is something like the conversation that I was having this morning. Um, where I was chatting with, I do a, I've got some neighbours locally that I trade some vegetables for some. There's actually a local goat in Heidelberg West. That's, <laughs> that's pretty cool, I think. Like urban farming is one thing, but yeah. having a goat in the backyard and milking it. And then, anyway, so me and Pete yeah, are actually sipping some tea. Yeah, How was it, Pete? I was going to add in a quick comment and say that yeah. the tea with the goat's milk tastes tastes good. Oh, um, very good. I actually don't distinguish a lot between that and normal milk tea. Yeah, honest. well, different um, goats, so. different. Different goats have different uh, tastes, I guess. But the Heidelberg goat yeah, apparently is good. pretty as well. It's almost like a cow. Get on your goat milk, people. Yeah, get on your goat milk. <laughs> nah, it's a bit expensive from the shops. Okay. But, uh, yeah, well, go ahead. Or maybe you need to get a goat. Who knows? Anyway, so I was chatting with the lady who was milking the goat. She dropped off the stuff and I, I was giving her some garlic and stuff. And then this other random lady, I've never met her before, comes past, walks up the drive and says, What's the secret? And I, I was like, what, what do you mean? And she's like, look, points to the garden, which is, oh, I guess we're looking at 10 beds of basil, spinach, some greens that pro- you probably know, never seen before, coriander, zucchini. So that's your garden. Pe- that's my garden yeah. That, yeah, that I'm talking about just now that yeah. me and Pete can see from here. And the lady has walked up the driveway because it's all visible. There's no fence. And um, she says, what's the secret? And I, uh, I said, oh, uh, I guess... Uh, Oh, how how'd you start this? And I was like, you, YouTube, and she's, she's about sixty, so she she didn't she gave me a frown face at that. And um, but what I liked about the interaction was she, she thought it's great, and mm. and and then I got to have a quick conversation with her about oh look, it's it's largely practice and error, and I like this is the fifth bed of bok choy that I've grown, and it's still got bugs on it, um, and I'm probably not going to be able to sell it. But every now and again, you do get success stories, and the vast portion of stuff that I do go actually does. That, that mm. I can eat, sure. or someone can eat, uh, customers can eat. But um, what I liked, yeah, about the engagement was, um, well, the feedback to me is she loved it, and she's probably not someone that I'd normally socialise with, um, and uh, she still thought it was great. She's probably someone actually that I'd be intimidated by if I walked down the street. 
but um, here she was saying, you know, what a, what a, what a yard! Um, and I thought that was pretty cool. So sometimes the, the feedback or things to be proud about, I guess, come from people that are, aren't necessarily your mum or um, which or, or dad or, or mm. a, an uncle or someone that you, you know, respect and admire. Um, that's important in one, one component, and mm. I've found that for my parents, farming's not that great a career in terms of uh, social, like the security and money or things like that. So my parents probably didn't want me to be a farmer. Um, but, uh, and, and now that I've started something, they are actually really proud of the, the mm. work and the hard work. Um, there's a lot of blood, sweat and tears um, have come into making this, sure, this small yeah. business. Small business is difficult, but also has a whole bunch of rewards. Mm. And one of those rewards is probably that those little conversations yeah, that yeah. happen quite frequently um, on my front doorstep awesome. or in the yard. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah cool. So, I guess a uh, few of the real rewards, or I guess uh, one of the rewards uh, yeah. is being able to have those one-on-one interactions with people about the work you do. Yeah. Um, and through that, they can be encouraged and inspired totally. with urban farming, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. And it happens, I guess, it's a creative conversation, um, more so than just, I guess, pointing at issues. Uh there's something that they can see and sort of uh, engage with, even if that's eating it. Um, so when, when you know, I'm passionate about food, here's here's a, a tomato that you've never seen before. Eat it, and then people are sort of the story's right there with them, or they take it home and cook it up, and then you know suddenly they're eating urban farm produce. Um, that's pretty cool. So mm. I guess engaging with the issues in a creative way, I find, is quite um, uh, something to be. I find contentment in. Beautiful. Um, and I know, Sim, you do, you're also part of uh, a market that happens on Wednesdays. Yeah. Um, so that's at a, a That's at Melbourne thing. University. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah, so lots of students and, and some faculty too. Beautiful. Um, so can you tell us how you initially, uh, I guess, got in contact to do some things with uh, the market that happens at Melbourne Uni? Um, yeah. And yeah, what, what's, that, what's that like, what happens on, sure. on market day? So last year, I actually tried to get into a bunch of markets, and because I was starting up, I guess either no one knew about me or they just didn't return my phone calls, which is quite frustrating. Yes. And I don't like getting on the phone. I'm much more a text person. But anyway, right. um, so Melbourne Uni Farmers Market is actually a strange one because I got approached by uh, by them um, to to fill that uh, spot, but they didn't have a grower. And I guess um, so. I've actually only done it for four weeks. It's pretty new to me still. Right. And so are the five thirty a.m. starts. But um, I'm much more a late night person anyway. Sure. Um, uh, yeah. The the market's good fun. I get to set up. I sort of put out tables. Put the little market stall like you'd see uh, at other places. And um, I still don't know how to really set up the gazebo tent. But. I look a bit of a fool, but yeah, and then put out my produce, and it's got the hessian sacks, and I like those baskets, so I bought a bunch of baskets from the op shop, and um, I put my produce in there, and then I guess it's a lot of conversations, people asking questions, what's this, I haven't seen this pumpkin before, how do I cook it, mm. sometimes I actually don't know the answer to, it. they ask me, how do you cook it, I'm like, I, I don't know, <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, don't even eat, I don't even eat that many chilies. <laughs> Yeah, um, but uh, I guess it's fun and people like, and then sometimes, you know, I'll see a photo of my produce in their dinner over the week on oh, the Instagram. Cool, okay. So customers are, are, in a way, a little bit 
uh, friends as well. Um, yeah. Obviously not, you know, uh, my closest mates, but um, some of them definitely are, and it's nice to engage and have a conversation about, you know, they're getting to know the farmer, me, mm. um, that's producing their food, and so if they want to ask me questions, they can. That personal conversation, I think, is pretty strong about the market, mm. and uh, just being able to tell the story of food a little bit better. You're listening to Youth and Loud. And I guess you're really uh, tapping into something which used to happen uh, years and years ago, but I guess before uh, mega supermarkets and totally. that kind of thing, uh, people had a lot more relationship and connectedness with uh, the people who produced the food yeah. and where it came from. So, sure. you know, there was a local butcher or a local um, farmer or, or local baker, there would be that community connection with all of those people. Totally, but, yeah. um, And it was a lot more on a relational level. Do you think that, uh, I guess, part of what you're doing, not only is it good for the environment and in terms of uh, sustainability and getting local food and that kind of thing, yeah. but do you think it's something which really encourages community connectedness? Yeah, I guess the question um, of where our food comes from and do we, like for most part of my life, I didn't know where pretty much any of it was was coming yeah, from well, and, yeah, and yeah. maybe not even asking the question. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess those questions have come up more for me and now I'm sort of, there's a little bit of a different story in terms of how I get food. So yeah, the goat's milk and I also trade for bread that a guy who lives yeah, far, yeah, yeah. after this interview, I've got a harvest him some spring onions and bring around some spinach because uh, he gave me a loaf of bread and I owe him, I owe him some garden produce so I'll cool. jump on the bark <laughs> and, and do that later but yeah. yeah I also spent some time in India Pete um, and and in Nepal uh, a couple of years ago and um, yeah fascinating to watch from my little my little uh, uh, ho- like well, hotel uh, room that didn't have any insulation and was up 4,000 meters um, so it was it was very cold. So even even to answer that question with the Nepal story is, I was looking from that room and I'm looking down to six people and they're um, vegetarian. I don't eat. Oh, I still eat some meat, but um, sure. they're cutting up this this goat. Okay. And it takes them a couple of hours or whatever. Yeah. And um, there's, there's kids around and whatnot, and it's just a part of sort of the, the natural sort of. This is another. This is another work work day, or this is another Monday morning. Sure. Yeah. Um, but the food is very communal, and, and in my other travels as well around that area and and in India, we see that people are visiting the, the local market, which is just a storeholder on the side of the road, right. which inspired a little bit of how I do some of my business sure. as well. To be like, we need to recreate this sort of stories of where. I'm engaging with the person who bakes my bread and I get my milk from someone and I feel really good about the fact that I'm drinking milk that this guy I know who's now a friend and also want to drink coffee with is someone that is a friend and I'm we're drinking this tea and and for me that makes the the drinking of tea is actually really really pleasant and enjoyable and has a lot more meaning I know it's a simple thing no go on but yeah. it's different and yeah, I pay yeah, my two yeah. bucks or or whatever it is for or four dollars, or whatever it is for the different types of milk. Yeah. And and um, I have that tea, and I guess I'm just talking about uh, tea. There is just about the taste of it, and and whereas with the goat's milk, this is a slight difference that I detect, and I'm proud of that difference, mm. and that connects me in with a local story and conversation. And so yeah, I, th- these people become my friends as well. And so where I live is quite a rich place to be. Um, back. A few years ago, I guess, I did a lot of things that were separated. So I went to school, then I had my workplace, and then I went to the soccer club, and then I went to another 
place and then I went to my friend's house and they were sort of all spread around Melbourne mm. uh, or eastern sort of Melbourne and then um, yeah it's quite a those connections didn't overlap so now I find that a lot of my connections actually are, are quite rich around where I live mm. and I still obviously go visit different places in Melbourne but um, those places uh, are less connected to each other so yeah, yeah. Um, that's my life I feel quite mm. rich but it's also passing that richness on to other people yeah. so I hope that the people that I get to work for or I guess the people that I produce food for they're also enjoying from some of that richness as well mm. so I guess you're saying that the, the work you do in a sense has ripple effects yeah. and it not only uh, it not only impacts you in a positive way yeah, yeah. but it also has effects of having a positive influence on those totally. who participate in your urban farming yeah, um, yeah awesome um, so I guess through the work that um, Spoken Spade does, uh, what goals do you have? And you've actually touched on this a fair bit, but what um, what impact do you hope that Spoken Spade has on the community? Right. Um, yeah. Um, so I guess one of the issues that we've got is yeah where our food is coming from, and maybe a disconnection from from how food is produced. So there's a bunch of issues that we have. Um, with food production as farmers and um, that's not being critical of uh, we've got a, a, a long history of farming here in Australia and a lot of great farmers and, and different types of agriculture that we can engage in uh, my personal interest is in sort of uh, remediating soils or like trying to help uh, build healthy soils and then from healthy soils I think we get healthy food and from healthy food then we get healthy people so there's a couple of things there that uh, I hope in my business to sort of achieve which is how do I how do I farm and sort of what methods do I want to use so I use some pretty cool technology I think Pete um, and that involves different things like I just got a cool room um, and that cool room has a different sort of uh, technology innovation that tricks an air conditioner to be a uh, like what you'd have in a shop uh, that that little piece of tech that tricks and, and does a little hack, I guess, onto an air conditioner yep. is keeping uh, my food cool for my customers. Green tech um, and, and looking at innovation, or that's an interest that I have. Um, and so, how do we marry, I guess, technology with also old school practice as well? So the methods of farming. I still do physical work. There's a lot of farmers that will sit on the back of a tractor, and they're sort of sitting farmers. Um, and these sort of systems of farming, sometimes called monoculture, or as like single cultured crops. So we get cornfields that are hectares and hectares as far as the eye can see. Or you, you might have seen some of the movies, Food Inc. or Flood, or different um, things you can watch on Netflix as well, which are some pretty cool documentaries. And or um, sometimes we just see them in, in the generic sort of um, films as well, where you, you, you're looking at a field and it's just one crop. And that never used to really happen. And we get problems with that sort of agriculture where things like soil erosion, topsoil, which takes many, takes so many years um, to de like develop, hundreds, thousands of years, um, this topsoil. And some of it's being washed away to the ocean. So, and there are other problems. We use chemicals oftentimes in that sort of farming method. Um, and so in my business... I'm looking at other ways of doing it where, one, I'm still physically active as the farmer, not sitting down, but also trying to be biologically sensitive and looking after sort of 
healthy soil so that then we can talk about all right who are the people that are eating this food mm. so the value of a, an iceberg lettuce to you if you were to eat that for a sandwich tomorrow isn't very high in terms of looking after your body's health whereas some of the other foods that we get that uh, particularly as well with freshness the the longer something is sat on the shelf turnover to starchiness or, or sugar levels um, will drop so corn if you eat it in the field after you after you bite it you can eat corn raw if you're, if you're ever at a farm and it is probably one of the best tasting vegetables that I've had raw corn yeah. trust me yeah. okay no kidding um, but so I always it's, thought that your corn's not uh, cooked and it's just terrible no well it is that's what I'm saying it, it turns so all those sugars that it's actually like it's maybe sweeter than a carrot right. um, turn to starch and so the longer our... Um, so you're saying fresh corn. Like I'm ripy, saying fresh corn. Ripy, like, yeah, it, you corn. need to have the pot... If you do cook it as well, you have the pot boiling and then you go harvest and then you and then you come back to the kitchen. That sort of fresh. Well, no, but I yeah. guess it's continual. So the longer our food stays on the shelf before you eat something, the less nutrient value it has. Okay. And then obviously in terms of health... That has an impact on you. Mm. So then also with my business, I guess I'm urban, so people are coming and they're coming and getting the food. So that has a health benefit that I care about and I live in a uh, neighbourhood, Heidelberg West, which has, um, in terms of sort of statistics, has people that uh, have problems with diabetes and some of the, those health outcomes that uh, would be great to see people eating more fresh food in their local diet. Mm. So, um, hopefully, if with front yard and different things like that, the business will also create healthier people, and that, to me, is a really good outcome. And then, I guess, the last part of that, which we're talking about farming and the methods and then health, and then, I guess, the social impact for how do we create a different story and what's my social influence. I was wondering, at uni, I was going to become a teacher, and I guess, as teachers, you have a large influence on you know, on your classroom and that sort of thing yeah. um and i for different reasons i decided not to be a teacher but um and, and decided to do farming but in farming i guess i have a influence on my customers and i've also got influence on things it's quite a visual story so um and the farmer that i base my stuff on curtis stone not the chef in australia there's another guy in canada um he has a book and youtube channel you know, he's got a couple hundred thousand subscribers and, and food right. often on Instagram and different things is quite popular right. because, or whether it's uh, MasterChef or something like that, because food is very, it's, it's sort of like a cute puppy. Um, mm. People like looking at these visually bright sort of describing yeah, yeah. things, you know. Yeah, that's true. And so um, for me in my business, I, I, I sort of wanted to have, I wanted to have an impact. I wanted to be a little bit on the fringe of radical sort of, Sure. And so urban farming or what my interests sort of lay and what I was trying to achieve came through this method. Mm-hmm. And for other people, that'll be, that could be something else. But yeah. um, I think it has a big impact on some of the people that I get to uh, chat with or just whether it's the personal sort of engagement with that person in the driveway this morning. Um, hopefully, you know, they're, they're going to grow some more stuff after our conversation or we'll mm-hmm. both grow more stuff together because I can learn from her still. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, there's there's justice issues. So in terms of spending so what, time in what are India, some of your justice issues. Yeah, man. Um, when I was traveling in India, I guess you start to see different components of poverty, and um, and, and I read a, a fair few uh, books, or I've enjoyed different um, uh, movies that have looked into sort of 
the problems that uh, people overseas are facing and also here in Australia. Um, but in India, yeah, you've got a lot of um, farmers that are uh, being converted by some of the converted. They're being, I guess, pressured to use some of the to go towards more of the chemical sprays and um, and different ways of farming that I don't think is good for their health in terms of uh, safety practices, but also in terms of the environment. And hmm, how to how to frame this, Pete? I I think how we live here also has an impact on them with issues like climate change. And so one of the um, things that I've based my business around is how do we tell a different story that's a bit more fun and engaging with some of those bigger issues. Mm -hmm. So my business tackles that in a few different ways, whether that's through something called carbon sequestration. And then there are, I guess, the other uh, justice components, which are overseas, that people will be affected by some of those natural uh, outcomes. So Bangladesh, for instance, is very low in terms of it's, uh, it's not very high above sea level and also has a crazy amount of people. And a lot of those people uh, are, I guess, at risk as water's come up. It's quite a river-bound mm. um, country and so they rely on their work um, as well with those river systems and whatnot and when we get sea level rise off of the Pacific Islands some of these people are at risk of losing some of their homes and sea level rise is not the only issue here there's there's so many different issues with with climate change Um, but how we live here in Australia and sort of our responsibility or our impact of different actions, both as an individual and also as, as a, a bigger corporate structure. Yep. So society, um, how our politicians and how, I guess, our councils and different things act. Because it's not just our individual responsibility. Like, I can take, res- try and do actions to be, you know, recycle or some of these bigger components, which are probably things like diet or choosing not to fly as much, which has an impact on how many emissions we create. Um, yeah, so we're also we're an individual, and so we make choices there. But we're yeah. also Australian, and so some of those things like the power grid and, and uh, where we get water and where does our waste go from, I guess they're they're bigger questions that we don't sometimes ask. Where does mm. the garbage go, and where does the recycling take place, yeah. and how much can we influence them? Well, as an individual, probably not that much. But mm. as we talk to, we're in democracy, so also engaging in that sort of. Thing, um, because uh, why? Because some of the impacts are oh, well, things like climate change, I guess, will hurt the, the poorest people. And some of the places like Nepal and India, where glaciers will, mm. will melt over hotter temperatures mm. and, and things like that. And a lot of people rely on things like simple rain. Mm. For a lot of farmers in India, which is Agriculture here doesn't seem to be a very big picture. Like you don't, how often do you talk to or listen to a farmer? I'm probably the first one in a few weeks or months or maybe a couple of years. But a lot of the world is ah uh, just actually farmers, um, and, and that's how we've you know over 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 years we've um, we've been farmers. Yeah. Uh, and so they rely on rain. They don't have cool little sprinkler setups like I do, mm. um, and rain t- tank water from from Yarra water. Mm. Um, to, to, to do this so they rely on the clouds and um, sometimes uh, rain is taking place erat- uh, what's, what's it when it's not quite consistent inconsistent <laughs> yeah 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 good one oh, um, wow. we'll... anyway sorry 
You're listening to Youth and Loud. We'll, we'll, we'll move on to the next um, question, uh, Sim, but it sounds like, I guess, the um, the motivation for starting Spoken Spade and what you can see as the influence that Spoken Spade has in the com- community um, is very multifaceted. There's not just one single thing or no. single issue which it impacts, but it is a number of different aspects of social justice and social change and sustainability. What's been, I guess, uh, the most re- rewarding part about starting a Spoken Spade and what's been some of the main challenges that you faced? Um, you may have answered this already, but is there anything else you want to add? I think one of the rewards in just growing your own food is sort of being able to eat that food and share it with friends and to share stuff. Mm. Um, so it's nice to bring different things to family gatherings or friends gatherings and be like, oh, I grew this and I sort of feel a little bit proud about that. As a society, we're, we're very, uh, we consume a lot and, and mm. we often actually don't, did you draw something or when was your last art creation? Because for, for a lot of us, it might have been in our last art class. Yeah. So we've sort of, you know, there's, there's not many places where we actually create something. And mm. so when I grow a carrot, I feel, I feel good about myself. So what's, uh, what's some of the main uh, challenges you face yeah. as you uh, establish Spoken Spade? Yeah, I guess um, it took me a couple of years, you know, a few years to start this thing and um, probably family and friends' expectations. Um, it's a bit of a crazy idea to try and start a, a little farm on, on in your backyard. Um, and so, but I was, you know, this is what I wanted to do. And so um, working to have the confidence and, and all those doubts and things that come with new ideas mm. and then you're asking friends and sort of seeing where they're at and then expectations from my parents, you know, and, and different things like they wanted me to be a teacher and, and I was sort of like, yeah, I, I'm sort of interested but um, I'm not quite. And so as I'm starting this crazy idea, um, that was difficult because I was going against a bit of the flow. And so having confidence and then also, I guess, discipline um, to actually do the work to create something. Um, It's good to have an idea, um, but this has taken a lot of of effort. And um, yeah, so that's been a challenge, Pete. Do you think that the same, I guess, uh, for anyone who's interested in starting something similar to what you've done, or even if it's a, a business idea, not yeah. necessarily farming, Yeah. Um, do you think it's fair to say that uh, the rewards, uh, I guess, can be great, but expect there to be challenges? I think different industries as well face this question. Businesses would be one, um, and, and, and artists and people that are creative or... Mm. Um, you know, there are easier things to, to go to find work, to pay, pay yeah, rent or, or to, yeah. to, to pay for what you're saving for. Then again, we keep coming back to people wanting to be a little bit creative or an entrepreneur or you've got this idea and, you know, I think that's part of our uniqueness um, and, and we should go for some of that. Um, so I'm, I am for, the, for, for people being going and chasing their ideas a little bit more. Um, that doesn't mean that we can do everything um, mm. or that you know we can achieve it just because we put our mind to it. Sometimes yeah. there are you know barriers and, and so that I think we also need to be uh, critical in terms of what mm. we do choose to engage with and ask trusted peers and friends yeah, yeah. Um, about your ideas mm. um, or business or, or whether it is 
um, something like music or, or artist um, stuff because, yeah, pursue these things um, mm. and then do it cleverly. Um, so I understand that you're, um, I guess, passionate about uh, the work that you do with Spoken Spade and one of the things is sustainability. Yeah. Um, what else... Uh, do you do in your personal life uh, apart from Spoken Spade yeah. um, that contributes towards uh, sustainability and uh, ethics and social justice and that kind of thing? Yeah, cool, Pete. I guess breaking down the components of, of life, you've, uh, I've got my, we've sort of discussed the work thing, but then you've got home life. Um, and I think there's this idea that I've tried to pursue of trying to take individual responsibility and um, I think this is a really good thing to, to engage with and so there's many components of that. But before I get into some of the things that maybe we could do at home about sustainability and, and some of those values and um, uh, social justice things, I would say that um, I think there's probably a little bit of a bias to say that we can all individually, as individuals, this sort of thing of, we were talking about individuals before, that we can create change just by ourselves. Sure. And I think that's a little bit of a myth, and, and we sort of get sold that, um, maybe even by companies that um, want us to go down the, the path of green consumerism, where we can buy our way into uh, purchasing the same life and the same sort of uh, standard of living that is um, uh, w- with products and with, with our money and sort of that sort of thing. And so there's definitely components of that that I, I, I do engage in. You know, I'll buy something that's a little bit uh, different or I'll do some research on a product, say my washing powder that's going to be more healthy and it's plant-based um, and, it, and it's a powder rather than, uh, say, um, a liquid form, partly just because I don't, it, it lasts longer. So I use less plastic or I buy it in a cardboard box. Right. It's really small things like that. Sure. I guess the principle there is, um, yeah, how do the products that I consume are still sort of green in a way. Mm. Um, but bigger than that, I think we need to engage in sort of this social or the sphere of influence, like we were saying before, where as an as a individual, I'm having an impact on my friends, maybe my family, maybe the person that I meet in the driveway. So in my personal life for sustainability, I actually try and foster um, quite a critical mind and so I think one of the first steps in terms of engaging with sustainability and, and, and ethics and, and these different components of values that have, you know, more than just sustainability, there's so many other issues we could explore, but is this idea of critical engagement or like thinking behind the question. So um, in how that sort of plays out in life, well, that's a little bit difficult because we're sort of, you're actually trying to engage with sustainability by being a little bit more curious in different ways. And so um, that means for me, I read books and when I'm watching movies, which I quite thoroughly enjoy, I sort of am looking at it still with how does this, how does, how does this latest Hollywood movie engage with sustainability? So that might be something like Downsizing, which is just a popular Matt Damon movie. But I'm thinking about it, oh, how is this actually influencing the Australian sort of audience to think about whether that forms of minimalism, which is like a practice of having very few Mm. items that um, people live with. Maybe that's only five five T-shirts and they only have four pairs of... And then... um, and But it's just a Hollywood film. So most people just go to the movies to turn off or switch off. But I guess I go into it thinking a little bit more about, oh, 
this is this is how it, and and partly maybe the, the the directors are also talking about that as an issue, mm. but not always. But I guess then it's also the choice of which movies we watch. Maybe chuck in a couple of documentaries that actually explore a different issue, mm. um, and then by exploring a different issue, I actually find that I engage with that issue a little bit more. I guess yeah. So what media or which conversations am I a part of? When was the last time that someone actually did talk about an environmental issue like climate change? When mm. was the last time you read that on uh, in the Herald Sun? Because um, certain forms or your little. Uh, circle of where you're getting information mm. will have a bias so i also try and engage in multiple biases sure yeah yeah so that means sometimes i read from different papers mm. and sometimes i read or watch a different movie or try and have a different conversation and hear someone else's opinion yeah. or or things like that but um that's one form i guess would be to critically engage with the issue yeah what would you say to someone uh, i guess like myself who uh might not be growing their own food or uh, be part of their own urban farm, but they want to still start doing something which contributes towards sustainability, yeah. uh, perhaps in relation to uh, shopping more ethically and being careful about what uh, products or what brands are purchased from stores. Yeah. Um, what would you say to encourage or give advice to people who do want to be more ethical in terms of what they're buying totally. without defaming any brands in particular um, <laughs> what, um, what, what tips would you give from your, from your experience yeah, I think first of all be gracious to yourself like mm. this is a slow thing and we have hundreds of products that are part of our life and that's fine mm. um, and it's we get to know the products that we use and so it's actually pretty hard to make little shifts and so I think it is about making little little shifts and going for one product or one issue or one thing at a time. And there are guides and things like the um, Ethical Consumer Guide right. um, that can be helpful in that. And so maybe have a look at some of the topical issues that maybe a friend's talked about once or ask your friend, you know, what milk do they buy? Or um, what is what, are there any issues with milk? Um, how much meat am I eating? And, and so then um, when you start to understand... Uh, I guess with that critical thinking, what 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 are the outcomes of uh, uh, of eating large amounts of um, dairy or meat? Um, then we start to go, oh, maybe I can change this product for one other thing. So I really like butter, um, but the dairy industry does have an environmental impact. Um, so in terms of for other people engaging with something, um, yeah, grab that little guide or look it up on um, on online. And um, mm. you can sort of pick pick part of an issue. But I'd say also talk yeah, to some of your friends. Um, but yeah, have conversations. Sort of ask, maybe do that follow-up question when someone makes a comment about some of the food that they eat. But also don't be judgmental. How can we stop ourselves from uh, being judgmental towards people who might participate or buy something which we don't uh, agree with? Yeah. Um, I think asking open-ended questions. So... Are they even aware of some of the issues that might be behind that? So mm. I don't know how that would come up in a conversation, but rather than going straight to the blaming sort of, yeah. you know, like I know better than you, we all come with hypocrisies that we don't do things. Mm. So, so sometimes it's taking the, the patch out of our eye that says that we're all right and sort of got all the answers. Yeah. I don't have all the answers, I'm learning. <laughs> so coming at an approach that, you know, you're mm. learning too and you can learn from this other person, yeah. even though... On this issue or this topic, you know, maybe they're doing something that you 
you disagree with. Yeah. Um, it doesn't make them a wrong person. It's also the action. The person's mm. not, you know, the person's not at fault. They're just making an action. And at this time, it might be making the, a slightly, mm. how do you say? Yeah, it's just a different action. Um, what about for, uh, for people who uh, do want to start growing their own food, um, even if it's not something perhaps quite as large as an urban farm? I don't expect it to be a Out here. Stats um, Which is a decent sign. This is a look at it through the window of your uh, living room. Um, what, I guess, advice or tips would you give to people who want to start doing something in terms yeah. of growing their own food, even if it's just a little bit... Yeah, yeah, pot plant, or maybe it's something like you can just grab one of those polystyrene boxes and, and put some put some compost and some, and, and some soil. You might even just dig it from a backyard patch or a bit of your own homemade compost. Um, I think, Pete, start, start small and start with, like, a little success story. People have... Um, or hope to hope to succeed. Um, people typically think of themselves as, oh, I can't draw, or I can't dance, or um, I can't be a gardener. I'm a brown thumb. And you can tap into maybe grandparents, or maybe it's you know the neighbour across the street that's Italian, has got that big backyard or something. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I guess what I was trying to get at is as a success story. Um, chat to someone at Bunnings or your local nursery. Get some seedlings, so you can just go down to one of those and, and buy some plants that are sort of already, they've already germinated, which is um, a lot of seeds won't germinate, so um, I plant a lot more seeds than I plan, like I might plant 100 seeds, and I only expect 20 of them to grow. So some people then think, oh, I can't grow food, because, you know, they put two, two seeds out, and they both die. Well, you didn't plant enough, or you <laughs> didn't water enough. So there are a few different, you know, challenges with that, so... Planting food has a little bit of responsibility. It's not a live pet, but, you know, plants are alive and they do need care. So mm. I'd actually ask that, that uncle or that auntie or um, maybe it's the person across the street that has a little veggie patch, ask them for some um, cuttings you can also do, which are free, just from a local gardener, or go down to Bunnings and buy a couple of seedlings and get some easy crops. Start with two or three. Yeah. Silver beet, maybe, or maybe it's basil plant in your kitchen, mm. something like that. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, what about for people who want to, I guess, you know, uh, do something more ethical in terms of the food they eat or purchase and they want to get it off urban farms and that kind of thing? Um, is there a, a, a network that exists uh, online or a, a group or a site they can look at yeah. to see? where perhaps some urban farmers might be located or something yeah. like that? Or... Um, I think there's a couple, Pete. Um, I guess, yeah, lo uh, Local Harvest, I think, might be one. And I'm on a couple of other sites that um, other farmers might be a part of too. Um, maybe we'll have to do that in the show notes because it's not coming to me right now. But I guess uh, one of the great resources that everyone could access, uh, everyone, most people, is there's quite a lot of local markets. And so, not just urban farms, but um, we get lots of growers that are around the fringes of our cities, right. and, and they produce quite a bit of food, and they're often coming in early on a Saturday morning or a Sunday or, mm. or midweek market. And so, yeah, trying to get some of the fresh food that you get from uh, a different place, and maybe that doesn't have to be every week, maybe that could be, you know, just pop down and see if you've never been to a farmer's market before. Mm. So, farmer's markets are good places to get food, um, and, and more than just vegetables. Um, uh, meat and dairy and, and, and right. sweets and bread and things like that and, be, and, and you know bring your parents or br bring bring your friends along maybe make it a bit of an outing um, and, and be prepared as well that you're supporting a bit of a different economy 
uh, in terms of that, you're 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 supporting someone that um, someone like me who has a, you know there's a different story behind behind the things that these producers are bringing, mm. and and it's that richer story hopefully too. So yeah, yeah, richer true. in terms of uh, yeah, these people are I guess maybe they're your neighbours or that uncle. It's not sort of like Mr. Coles. Um, so I think that has. Um, yeah, where people can access food is sometimes the market or, or a local grocer or your green grocer as well is a great source because they'll be able to tell you a bit more of the story of where food comes from or the local butcher or something like that. Um, so what are your uh, plans for the future, Sim, and where would you like Spoken Spade to, to get to, say, in the next 10 years? Yeah. Um, plans for the future, Pete? Well, I'm only 27, so I don't really know... It's that age-old question of, where do you see yourself? Um, I've got a few ideas. Um, and, and possibly, you know, Spoken Spade won't be around in 10 years' time. Um, because I don't want it to be. I, I might start something else, or it might not be an urban farm, or I, I think I'll probably be growing a bit more food um, in terms of a larger property. So this site is... I think I'd like to see more people on a... get involved with... with this farming sort of thing and whether that's you know growing food alongside me or just a different part of that so that could be a cook as well that comes on board and then also hanging out with travellers I think there's some pretty cool programs if people ever want to travel there's something called Willing Workers on Organic Farms and and other things like X Helpers which um, people use to travel and and sort of board at places for free and get fed by the host and so but then work for four or six hours or so a day Um, and so I'd be interested in in hanging out with more people Mm. hearing their stories as well as hanging out in the field and working together Um, but also I'm not I don't want to be rich in a way like monetary rich I'd rather say earn um, under sort of a small portion that's enough to feed me and, and, and pay rent and that sort of thing why don't you want to be rich um, I'd rather be richer in other ways. So, um, I, I forget what the average wage is. It's something like 50 or 60 grand or something. If you're, you know, um, and I reckon I could live because I live reasonably simply off say 30,000. I live off less than that at the moment. And, um, I'd rather employ someone, give someone else a job who doesn't have a job. And I think that's a cooler story and it's a more inspiring story to actually mm-hmm. with that, so in terms of my business, because I'm a business owner, I can employ people. And that's pretty cool because I can bring them into this story as well and then yeah. they get to live that richer life as well. Yeah. And it would be awesome to be able to pay them. So my hope for the business is to be not just semi-commercial, but in a way commercial um, in that it's, it's a sustainable business as well in terms mm-hmm. of uh, its monetary finances. So that's a whole other component of how you operate a business. I'm not just a farmer. I'm actually a business owner. Yeah. And so um, my hope for my business is to sell food and for people to be um, and to sell more food so that essentially I can pay myself a wage because I've done a lot of work in the last year mm-hmm. when you start something and I actually haven't, I've, I've sort of just gone more into a little bit of debt and the hope is that sort of, uh, let's say it's like a curve, the curve is going up slowly in terms of right. you know you, you put an investment in sure, and yeah. it pays off eventually mm. so I'm trying to make that investment pay off so my hope for the business is to be financially um, mm. enough that I, I've, I'm able to live simply in Australia yeah. and also maybe be able to employ someone else into this story which mm. I think is pretty cool 
um, and have more fun and more conversations in the driveway or maybe that's out on a bigger property yeah. um, but still yeah close to the city because uh, I like going to gigs and that sort of thing yeah cool yeah. nice man is there any way that your uh, uh, faith has had an influence on this work that you do yeah yeah so um, as a background story I guess um, yeah I have a belief in, in God um, and um uh, I find I was pretty critical of the faith background that I came from in terms of how it's engaged in sustainability in that it, it sort of hasn't done um, enough in my view sure. and so um, but in a personal way um, I find that there's a lot of meaning that I think uh, my understanding of God does care about um, uh, creation, and so you know, God has created this this world in my from from my sure. background yep. and thinking, and so I should be looking after it. And so, mm. yeah, um, faith has played a role, and um, particularly in the social justice sort of, you know, everyone has a right to sort of a healthy life and to water that's clean and that mm. sort of thing. So. Yeah, the environmental goals and just seeing humans as like valuable um, means that I want to live a more sustainable story because um, I think, yeah, in my background of faith, that God cares about that. Mm. Uh, yeah, so I guess different mm. angles of why people care about it, but that's that's one mm. angle that certainly has influenced me, and, yeah. and I think the theological or the the ideas part. Um, in terms of um, my faith background is there but it's often not shared about or talked about yeah, so sure. I try and influence in, in, in my faith as well sure, um, yeah. with my peers yeah. Yeah. so I'm a Christian so, yeah. uh, that's my faith background yeah um, but I guess you're saying that uh, your your view of um, the God you believe in very much cares about all people as equal yeah. but on top of that also cares about the earth and the environment where God's uh, yeah, yeah it's a very be. valuable um, component of that isn't it it's sort of like when I create something whether that's a drawing or you know um, something very physical very plain um, I sort of wouldn't like someone to to, to, to destroy it or to, to not Flip use it very well. <laughs> yeah, and in many ways, I think, as, as a species, uh, humans are quite destructive to... to and so I see we value... Are. Sorry? I said we are. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So I guess trying to tell a different story of being more regenerative and, and, and looking after, um, yeah, the world in a way that I would like to see it and how I think mm. that faith component rolls out. And I think we see that also in other faiths too. So, um, for Islam and, and for Buddhists and and, um, and and different people that I've talked to with their theologies, that sure. the, the the sustainable environmental component still plays a heavy role and also cares for humans. Um, yeah. So yeah, I um I draw a purpose from that, I guess. Beautiful. Yeah. Cool. So that brings us to the end of uh, this episode of Youth and Loud Sin. But once again, thanks heaps for taking the time to have a chat today about um, your farm, uh, Spoken Spade. That brings us to an end of this episode of Youth and Loud. Thanks for listening, and we'll catch you next time on Youth and Loud. <laughs>